People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. It's time for Game Week 12 in the Premier League season and Premier League Insights is here to help you analyse the odds and find value in the markets. As always, we wouldn't be able to do that without the help of Jake Oscarthorpe and InfoGoal. Hello, Jake. Hi, Ben. How are we doing this week? I'm good. Looking forward to what should be a, a very good weekend of Premier League soccer. Yeah, there's some seriously good games this week at the bottom of the table, top of the table and middle of the table. So, yeah, let's get cracking. Yeah, we'll start off with Norwich versus Watford and the weekend starts with what is the the battle of the basement. It might be a bit early to use terms like a six-pointer, but this is, I mean, it's really a crucial match for both sides. Watford are are slightly worse off looking at the table, but in terms of expected points, they they look to be around a mid-table team and Norwich, meanwhile, they're, they're pretty much where they deserve to be. In terms of their most recent fixtures, Watford, Watford were edged out by Chelsea in terms of the scoreline and expected goals. Norwich were comfortably beaten by Brighton. They really look to have tanked since that that win against Manchester City. It's difficult to see how things are going to turn around for them, I think. Um, the market has this one pretty even, despite the underlying numbers suggesting otherwise. So do you think there's value on a Watford win here? Um, no, we don't, actually, um, which is a bit of a surprise to um, to myself. Obviously, like you've mentioned there, the, the expected goal numbers are heavily in Watford's favour coming into this game and Norwich have been exceptionally poor. But we've got this one, um, you know, we've got it even, 37% each and 26% the draw. So we can't split the two teams, really. Um, that is obviously, you've got a home advantage that plays into that. But we, we think that Norwich, yeah, Watford are the better, two, better of the two teams, but home advantage evens it up. But yeah, Nor- Norwich are just, like you mentioned, the tank's probably a good word for it. Um, They've just been really, really bad since that win um, over Man City. The creativity has disappeared. They've stopped scoring goals. Um, you know, they've managed just one goal, sorry, two goals in the last six Premier League games. Um, obviously, we mentioned last last week that Cantwell and Pookie and Buendia, et cetera, would start the season so well and um, they were scoring goals for fun. But most of that was actually overperformance and they were scoring goals from low probability chances that were unsustainable over the course of the season. That's sort of what we're seeing now. Defensively, they've just they've just been a shambles, and I know that they've you know they've had some serious defensive injuries. Um, you know, for the most for the last probably six games, they've been playing a holding midfielder at centre half, and then an inexperienced centre half alongside him. So you know, have issues that has played into that. But even so, you'd imagine that Barker could get them more better organised than what we've seen. And you know, they went to Brighton at the weekend and got absolutely steamrolled. Brighton racked up over three expected goals. Um, Norwich barely had a chance, just under 0.5 expected goals. So it was just a comfortable victory for Brighton. And, and Norwich have, have been giving up comfortable victories for fun recently um, to their opponents. You know, even Aston Villa had it really easy. Burnley Crystal Palace also. And, you know, their expected goals against now is up at 2.38, which is the highest in the league. No surprise there. Um, and they actually took the mantle from Newcastle as the worst team in the league on expected goals. So... They now rank 20th in our XG table, which is obviously a, a very bad sign moving forward. Watford, on the other hand, perhaps very unfortunate uh, to be where they are in the table, especially to be winless um, so far this season. Like you mentioned, they were beaten by Chelsea. 
uh, last week. I didn't think they were very good in, in the game. And you know, if you take the penalty away, they only created 0.8 expected goals, which is a you know quite a, a poor uh, attacking performance for a Watford team that we do think have got some good attacking players there. Um, on the whole, though, the process this season hasn't been too bad. Like the, the averaging 1.37 expected goals for. 1.88 expected goals against. But if you take away the Manchester City loss, which was an anomaly, um, was that 6.1 expected goals? If you take that out of their XG, XGA total, the average actually comes down to 1.32, which is actually not bad. It's, it's, you know, it's that of a mid-table team, maybe lower half of the table team. So um, obviously, if you're comparing the two teams, there's much more hope from an expected goals point of view looking at Watford than there is Norwich that they, that they can turn this around. Starting in this game, obviously, is what is what Kike Sanchez Flores will be hoping for. Like I mentioned, we're 37% each team. We can't really split them. Um, obviously, the market has got Watford as favourites, so therefore there would be a small amount of value in back in Norwich. Personally, I wouldn't advise that. I just don't see. Don't, I've not seen anything from them in the last six weeks that would make me suggest that there's a result coming and there's a win coming, even against a team that is low on confidence and struggling like um, like Watford. It, probably the play from um, from an XG perspective is to oppose goals. Uh, I did it a few weeks ago, if you remember, in the in the Bournemouth game. The overs and the both teams to score were extremely short, and that is the case again in, uh, in this game. We, we've got over two and a half, around 55%. Both teams score about 58%, which is a good 5 and 6% less than what the market is suggesting um, is likely to happen. So... From an in for goal perspective, opposing goals is the play in this one. Um, but if you want in a 1x2 bet and value, uh, currently we're, we're on Norwich, but only slightly. Yeah, it's one of those ones, isn't it, where it's both teams aren't haven't been too great going forward, but they've also both been pretty poor at the back. And I guess so much on the line, it's, it's most likely going to be one of those games where neither team wants to lose. So they might sacrifice that, that trying to go for the win as well. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we've like I said, with Norwich, they... For some reason, their attacking output has just diminished. But defensively, they've you know, they've continued to be as poor. So Daniel Farker is not even trying to keep things tighter. They're, they're just they're just struggling full stop. And you know Watford are they've been slow to get going under Kike Sanchez Flores. There's signs of life there, but um, we're just waiting for them to spring into in, into life and, and get that first win, and then hopefully for them kick on. But yeah, I can see this being a cagey game where, like you said, neither team wants to give anything up. So we've got another good game up next. We've got Chelsea versus Crystal Palace and Chelsea have surprised a lot of people this season. Uh, Frank Lampard had his fair share of doubters. They obviously couldn't make any transfers and they lost their best player in Eden Hazard. But they have put together a really good run of form and the the underlying process has been not as good as those results suggest, but it's still been pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Um the win they had at the weekend was another good example of that. Um, as you said, it looked pretty close maybe by XG, but over half of Watford's numbers came from that dubious, shall we say, penalty. Um, Crystal Palace are another side that have been people have been pretty positive about. Um, they'll obviously be disappointed with the performance and the result against Leicester, but up until then they had been looking pretty good. Uh, the odds suggest this one will be a comfortable win for for Chelsea, but does InfoGold agree with that? Um, I wouldn't say comfortable win. No, we've got Chelsea as strong favourites, obviously, but we're nowhere near the the seventy two percent that's available on the market. We're around fifty seven percent, so we're, we're basically paying a bit of respect to Crystal Palace. We still rate them quite highly, um, even though they were absolutely dreadful against Leicester last week. 
But yeah, we'll start with Chelsea. I mean, what Frank Lampard's doing there, you know, he deserves arguably more plaudits than he's getting right now because their underlying numbers have actually improved on last year, which um, to say that they lost their best player and they've had to, you know, they weren't able to sign anyone in the summer is, uh, you know, it's a pretty incredible feat. Now, we all know that they've got a really good youth academy there and a youth set up with a lot of youth players, but to get them bedded in and playing as well as they are, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, you know, Tammy Abraham was out again, goal and assist against Watford, and he he's arguably been one of the most standout players in the Premier League this season. The way he's been playing, dominating centre halves at his young age, um, and they, you know Chelsea are just a, a really potent attacking force at the minute. They're averaging over two expected goals per game in the Premier League. Defensively, there's still question marks. Um, you know, obviously that Tamori's coming, he's looked pretty solid. It's just finding a partner to go with him, whether it is Zuma, whether Rudiger's back fit. Um, or Christensen's back fit is, is the question and which one which partnership Lampard decides to go with. But they're currently averaging 1.36 expected goals against. So there are still yeah, they've been still being troubled by teams. They've you know they've conceded against Southampton, twice against Burnley, once against Watford. So, you know, they're they're like they're liable to give up chances to um to teams, even if they are dominating them. And Crystal Palace are a team that can take advantage of the chances that you do give them. Um, now, granted, they were, like I said, they were really poor against Leicester, and I was actually really disappointed with the performance. Um, but, you know, credit Leicester, they made that game look really easy. Um, a really comfortable 2 0 win for them, but Crystal Palace were poor. It's the second home game in a row that they lost 2 0 um, to two of the top three, so that can be almost slightly forgiven. But now they play one of the, you know, another team in the top four. They've got some attacking talent there. We've not seen it on a regular basis. Um, they're averaging 1.16 expected goals for, which is actually down on last year, which is a bit of a surprise. Um, and like you mentioned, they're slightly flattering, um, in a flattering position in the table right now. They're, they sit ninth and, you know, according to expected goals, they rank as only the 16th best team in the league. So we could see a little bit of regression from them and, um, you know, a, a fall down the table, if you like. But I do fancy them to get on the score sheet here and, you know, we found a little bit of value in the both teams to score market. Like I mentioned, Chelsea got their defensive issues. Crystal Palace do pose a decent counter-attacking threat. Um, we're around a 54% chance of both teams to score, which is a small amount of value to what's available on the market. Yeah, it seems to be an emerging theme with, with Chelsea this season. A pretty high goals market three and the market definitely buying into the over. And like you said, if, if Palace get one, that three all of a sudden looks like looks like an easy figure for the, the total match goals. So our next game is Burnley versus West Ham and both of these teams, are, they're coming into game week 12 off the back of very poor results. Um, Burnley were comfortably beaten by Sheffield United. It was a result that was fully deserved. West Ham were dominated by Newcastle. Obviously the final scoreline looked a little bit respectable, but I think that only that only came from the last 15 minutes or so and, and Newcastle could have had plenty more goals in that one. Um, there was good reason to be positive about Burnley up until the weekend's result. Um, they could maybe get things back on track. As for West Ham, it's they've been in free fall since winning against Manchester United, and even up until that point, the the warning signs were there for them. So, some high hopes of, of before the season. There was some some expectation growing after five games, but it looks like West Ham's season could be getting away from them. And I think another loss here, and they'll be talked of as a a relegation contender rather than a team that, that had the potential to break the top six. So can InfoGoal look past Burnley's last performance in this one or is it as even as the market suggests? Yeah, we are looking uh, looking past it. Um, we, we, you know, we, we think Burnley have got a really good chance of winning here at 47% compared to the market's 42%. So there's decent value there. Like you mentioned, the 
you know, they've lost the last three games. Two of those they deserve to win instead of lose based on expected goals. And, you know, if you're looking at the just the basic table, you know, the last three games they've played Leicester, Chelsea, Sheffield United, they sit, they're three of the top six in the league right now. So um, they're playing teams that are hot. They're playing teams that are, you know, that are playing well themselves. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to forgive Burnley with, uh, for those results. Obviously, they want, the way that they lost at Sheffield United will, will be, you know, that'll probably keep Sean Dyche awake for the next three weeks, thinking about that, that game in particular, just because of how easy it was for Sheffield United to progress the ball through midfield. You know, it's usually quite a tight midfield. They don't let too much go past them. But yeah, it was really easy, that one. And, you know, I expecting them to get a little bit back to basics in this game. Um, you know, they've conceded nine goals in the last three games, which is very unburnley like And they're coming up against their West Ham team that do have the capabilities to, to cause some problems. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Burnley keep things a little bit tighter than usual. The underlying process has been really solid all season, um, even taking into account that 3-0 um, defeat at Sheffield United in which they did concede 2.6 expected goals. They're, you know, they're, they're averaging 1.34 expected goals for, 1.35 expected goals against. So they're comfortably mid-tailed in terms of process. Ninth in the XG table. So we're, we're not expecting them to be uh, drawn into a relegation battle at all at any point in this season. Um, we think the quality that they've got is plenty to keep them um, keep them afloat. As for West Ham, um, yeah, not too sure what to say. I think the way that you you talked about West Ham yourself says it all. Really, you sounded really dejected, and you know, I'm pretty sure that's pretty much every West Ham fan right about now. Like you said, they've been on a really poor run. Uh, you get Newcastle at home, and you think three points uh, that just didn't go to plan at all. Newcastle absolutely shredded West Ham on the counter attack. It could have been. Even you know, even more comfortable. They ended up scoring a couple of goals from set pieces, but um, Alan St. Maximan had a, at least two one-on-ones, which he could have uh, punished West Ham even further. And, and you know, the defensive issues just continue to surface week after week for West Ham. They're averaging up and around two expected goals against per game right now, which you know is one of the worst defensive processes in the league. They, going forward, they do offer an attacking threat, but it has been pretty diminished in the last few weeks, and you know, like. Like you mentioned, it was only when they were 3-0 down that they started uh, attacking. Obviously, game effects come into play. Newcastle sit back and you know they feel comfortable. West Ham have to go on the front foot and create. So even though they created nearly 2xG in that game, most of that came when they were 3-0 down. So it'd be interesting to see what happens in this game, how they set up, whether they can cause Burnley problems. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at this. We think there's going to be goals here, purely based on the fact that West Ham are so vulnerable defensively. Uh, we're around 60% chance of an over two and a half. But the value play here is just to back Burnley to get the win, get them to back them to bounce back, get back to winning ways. Um, you know, like I said, there's about 5% margin um, in, in Pagol's favour to, to back Burnley to get the win. That would obviously pull them clear of the uh, the relegation zone and West Ham could end up slipping into, into a relegation battle. And, you know, they're 17th in the XG table now. So based on what we've seen so far, we are expecting them to be bottom half of the table come the end of the season well, i'm glad we don't video this podcast because i was grimacing all the way through that and you said you could you could hear the dejection that was me trying to be positive jake yeah i mean <laughs> it's really difficult to be positive right now you know they, they start the season so well um, obviously we talked about the fact that they overformed in quite a few of those games and we were expecting this sort of dip but i wasn't expecting it to be this bad um you know, your game against crystal palace for example west ham were just really poor against Everton they were even worse um, and then in the game against Newcastle like I said you think that's going to be three points Newcastle themselves are struggling greatly um, 
you know, that could end up being a relegation six-pointer come the end of the season. Yeah, we've also got some some very difficult fixtures coming off, but let's let's get away from West Ham. We'll we'll, we'll move on to the next game. We've got Newcastle versus. Yeah, we'll, we'll save you that. One. <laughs> Newcastle versus Bournemouth is the next one. Um, we just said about Newcastle and how good they looked against West Ham. How much of that was due to a very poor West Ham defence, and how much was Newcastle Newcastle's attacking process is probably up for debate. Um, but potentially we could see a, a Newcastle emerge from that difficult difficult schedule and maybe begin to climb up the table as for Bournemouth it's three four games now I feel like we're talking about a, a completely different team to the one of previous seasons and indeed the the first few games of the season they seem to find a good balance this time between attack and defense against Manchester United they they racked up nearly 2xg themselves they allowed just over 1xg for United um, this one for me is it's a really interesting game when it comes to analyzing the numbers so how do you think this one might pan out yeah, this is really interesting. Um, like you mentioned, what Newcastle are we going to see in this game? And was it just West Ham that made their attack look good? Because prior to the West Ham game, obviously we spoke at length in previous weeks about the fact that they've had a really tough schedule. So you've got to take their underlying numbers with a pinch of salt through that schedule. But before uh, before the West Ham game, or even including the West Ham game, the 2.29 expected goals that they did create, uh, you know, the, their average is still only 0.88, which shows just how poor they have been in attack um, throughout the course of the season. Have things turned around? It would be interesting to see. I think Bournemouth would be a little bit wiser to the, the counter-attacking threat that Newcastle pose after watching the game against uh, against West Ham. I think they'll be a little bit more set up, uh, better set up to, to deal with that and you know, like I said, the schedule's been really tough, so it's hard to judge Newcastle just yet. Um, the games that they've played against the lesser teams, they've actually played okay. They've not really deserved to lose many of them, apart from the Norwich game earlier in the season. Uh, this is this game obviously falls into that category. So yeah, the, Newcastle are just an interesting team to watch right now, just to see how they develop as a team against the teams that they would, you know, you're expecting to be around them come the end of the season. Um, Bournemouth, like you mentioned. It, I don't know, is, it, is, this, is this team being coached by Eddie Howe or David Moyes or Sam Allen? I'm not too sure right now. Um, you know, t- for their last four games to contain just two goals is absolutely out of this world. Like uh, the, the previous four games con- contain about 16 goals. So it's chalk and cheese. Um, but, the, the, you know, the, the results are fair according to expected goals. You know, they're, they're not allowing chances anymore. Uh, or I say anymore, they could end up doing so later in the season. But right now, whatever tweaks Eddie Howe's made defensively, have, you know, they've paid off fully the three clean sheets in the last three games, says it all. They're allowing, or they've allowed just 0.8, uh, 1 and 1 XGs in the last three games. So, you know, they, they, they're limiting their opposition to a few chances. And like you mentioned, they deserve, fully deserved the win against Manchester United in what was a, a you know, really good display in which they showcase the defensive solidity and, uh, you know, an attacking threat. What, what we'll see from them this game is probably going to be similar, um, I would imagine. You know, four games is still a small sample size, but the way that they're trending suggests that we're going to see another tight game in which they limit Newcastle well. Newcastle will obviously have this, the success they had with the set pieces against West Ham. They'll probably aim to target them as potential um, for goals, but Bournemouth themselves also, they're very strong on set pieces. They score quite a few goals through set pieces. So that'll be an interesting battle to keep an eye on. Um, low scoring game, most likely. Um, you know, Newcastle don't create too much unless they're playing against West Ham. Um, and Bournemouth, 
they don't concede much at the minute. So I'm expecting a tight game, a low-scoring game. But in terms of uh, value, the market's got Newcastle's favourites around 37%. And, you know, we, we actually, we rate Bournemouth a lot higher than Newcastle. We're giving Bournemouth a 40% chance of getting the win. So there's a, there's a decent amount of value there, at, um, you know, a pretty big price for Bournemouth to go up to Newcastle. Um, and get the three points. So that that's Infogol's suggestion in this one. Yeah, a lot of uncertainty in the market seems seems fairly split according to the odds, and seems like betters are kind of following that that pattern of Newcastle not being great in attack and Bournemouth looking solid because the the under two point five goals is the one that's seeing the majority of the action at the moment. Next up, we've got Southampton versus Everton. Uh, we did see a reaction from Southampton against Manchester City based on the score line. Um, but I think you know as well as I do, the XG from that tells a very different story. 0.73 of their 0.76 XG came from the the long-range shot and the follow-up that resulted in their goal, and then outside of that, I think there was only one other long-range shot that they had. Um, Manchester City racked up nearly four XG themselves. On another day, it could have been a, another 8-9-0 or something, Um but obviously the 2-1 kind of reflected well on Southampton to a degree. Um, Everton salvaged a draw against Tottenham, probably deserved more out of the game. Um, it was obviously overshadowed by that that Gomez injury, but it was just another example of Everton being a bit unfortunate and had things actually gone their way this season, they'd probably see themselves more of a, a top six team instead of hovering over the bottom three. Um, Southampton, we kind of said originally that they were they were looking very unfortunate this season, but they're starting to now trend downwards. Everton have obviously been pretty unfortunate as well. Does Infogol think that Everton's bad luck will continue here or are their fortunes going to turn around? We feel like this could be a game in which they turn things around. Um, you know, we, we're, Southampton are just they're a strange old side. Like you said, for, for about the first eight weeks of the season, we were banging on about them being like underperforming and the fact that things would turn around. But I've just looked at the fixtures that they've had. Um, the last five league games, they've played Spurs, Chelsea, Wolves, Leicester and Man City. So five of last season's top seven they played in the last five games. They got one point from that, which is probably a decent turnout, actually. Um, yeah, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what to say about Southampton, really. They're, they're, the underlying process is still pretty strong, despite them allowing nearly nine XG in the last two games. Uh, they create good chances. They're at one and a half expected goals per game, and that, that's you know that is including the, the one xG they've managed in the last two games combined. So it's just I don't know. It's just a question of, of when when it's going to turn around, um, rather than if. I think, like you mentioned, that they've trended sort of they've been trending down. But like I mentioned, the, the schedule that they've had has been really tough in the last five games. So I think they could do with a really a nice easy game like a Norwich at home, for example. But instead, they've got an Everton side that are struggling equally um, in the in the table. Um, obviously, Southampton are eighteenth in relegation zone. Everton are seventeenth. Well, you know, three points above. So, if you're looking at this as and you, you you've got your negative glasses on, it's a relegation three pointer even early on the season. And Everton could put some distance between themselves and and the bottom three. Southampton could do with the win to. Um, to, you know, to get themselves in touch, but yeah, this is they sit like I said, 18th and 17th in the table, 11th and 5th in the XG table. So the two sides that are underperforming, um, or they have been unfortunate so far this season. Um, both managers are under serious pressure. 
if one of them loses, you know, if, if this ends up in a Everton win, does Ralph Harsenhut will get sacked and vice versa? So th- this is a really intriguing game. Yeah, Southampton's defence really needs um, a wake-up call. I think Everton have got enough in attack to cause them problems. You know, the, the XG, base XG total from the Everton's game against Tottenham was, you know, it suggested that Everton were perhaps unfortunate not to get the win, but both of the big chances that they created came after the, um, you know, the bad injury and the sending off. So prior to that, they really struggled to, you know, to break down Spurs. It was a good, decent defensive display, though. You know, they, they allowed, you know, limited Spurs to just that one big chance for Deli Alley. Um, but yeah, prior to that, they've been really unfortunate with the, with the results. Their underlying process has been really good. 1.57, 1.17. So, you know, they shouldn't be where they are, really. Um, they should be much, much higher. I'm expecting much better things from Everton when they get out of this slump. I think they'll go on a, on a decent run now. Uh, this is a perfect game for them, really, against the Southampton side that, you know, they come into this home game, the last home game, they lost 9-0. So, confidence is going to be low. Yeah, the, like I said, this it, is a really intriguing game just to see which team is going to almost drag themselves out of uh, out of the serious slump that they're in. Infigal siding with Everton. We think Everton is a much better team. We're giving them a 45% chance of getting the win compared to the 39% on the market. So there's a decent bit of value there. Um, you know, goals are also likely. You know, I mentioned Southampton's defence has been really poor, like the 9xG in the last two games, uh, allowing 1.96 uh, over the course of the season. So we're 56% on the over two and a half. Both teams scored 58%. So a high score in a way win is, is what we're looking at for this one. From one interesting game and on to another one, we got Tottenham Hotspur versus Sheffield United. We kind of had a, a brief chat off air and we were kind of talking about just how poor Tottenham had been this season. And you kind of alluded to it there. Was it a strong defensive display from Everton? Was it a poor attacking display from, from Tottenham? But they they really didn't offer much. Deli Alley's goal, 0.37 XG, it was the the best chance they created and outside of that it was pot shots really if anything else um Sheffield United they looked really good against Burnley we kind of talked about that already created plenty of chances and scored three goals after creating 2.59 expected goals they might be six in the table and have the best defense based on goals conceded but it seems to seems that that kind of form is unsustainable for Sheffield United and if results fall back in line with their process they could be around mid-table and that would still be a good finish for them as for Tottenham, they they need to get a win. They've got home field advantage here, playing a team that many had down as a relegation contender. These are the kind of games where they've got to get three points if they stand any chance of closing that gap to, I was going to say top four, but it feels like more top six already. Um, how does InfoGoal rate Tottenham's chances of getting the three points here? Yeah, we give them a decent chance of getting the win. Uh, obviously, the market's around 58%, so they, they agree. They think Tottenham have, um, should get the win here. We're, we're 61%, so we've got a little bit of value in Spurs, which is a bit of a surprise, um, really, given what we've seen from both teams. Yeah, you mentioned it there. The um, Spurs closing the gap on the top four. It's already 10 points, so um, yeah, they're, they're, they're half the distance to the relegation zone, so they almost need to put themselves clear of the relegation zone, really, um, with a win. They sit, yeah. That, that that the performance against Everton was another really poor one. I, obviously, Harry Kane was missing, which is a huge loss for um, for Spurs. But they just struggled to create again. They're really, really poor in attack. They're ranked as fifteenth best team on expected goals. Yes, you heard me right. That's fifteenth best team. So things really are 
Um, you know, they're looking really bad for Spurs, not only with the actual results, but their underlying numbers are absolutely atrocious. They're, they rank as one of the worst teams in the league on expected goals. They're, they're generating just 1.2 XG expected goals for and allowing 1.6 expected goals against. So that's a, a negative 0.4 expected goal difference per game that they're giving up to their opponents. So whenever you do that, the likelihood is that you're going to lose more games that you win. That You know, that's just just the case with them. Um, Quality of chances and uh, and the XG metric. So something really needs to, um, to to happen at Tottenham for things to turn around. Whether it is a new manager, um, I'm not too sure. A new shape. They all just it's all a little bit stale there. Everything's the same. You know, you, know, you can pretty much pick Pochettino's eleven every week, which obviously um, is something that is a negative when you're playing against um, good teams with good managers that can almost stifle you. And that's what we're seeing with Tottenham this season. They've almost been found out. They're, re- they're just really struggling full stop at both ends of the pitch. Um, and the Sheffield United, are, um, they'll, they'll give them a really tough game. Uh, no doubt about it. They are still unbeaten away from home, the Blades. Obviously, they, you know, they've drawn four and picked up one win. You know, they've been fortunate in those, in those games. Um, obviously, the win against Everton was a fortunate one. They're fortunate to, be, to get a, a draw with Chelsea um, and with Watford. And with West Ham, so the, the performances away from them have actually been really poor compared to the results that they've been getting, um, and that's why that they sit down in twelfth in the XG table, and not sixth uh, like they do in the actual table. You mentioned there that they're you know they've only conceded eight goals in what were we, eleven games. Their XGA um, per game is at one point five, so they've been really fortunate not to have conceded more. So this is you know the, while everything on the actual table looks really good for Sheffield United, scoring goals, keeping goals out. When we look at the underlying numbers, they're actually not as impressive. Um, you know, they still rate as a mid-table team. We're still quite confident that they'll stay up in uh, in the Premier League. But whether they'll be able to sustain this sort of level of uh, of, of form and you know, the last four games, for example, picked up eight points, two away draws, two home wins. Whether they'll be able to sustain that is highly unlikely. Um, you know, the good performances against uh, against Arsenal. Like I mentioned, they played well against Liverpool, gave them a game, they gave Chelsea a game. So I'm, I'm 100% sure that Chris Wilder will have his side well organised, will give Tottenham a really good game. Um, it wouldn't be a surprise to see this one finish nil-nil um, or something along those lines. Really low scoring, I'm expecting. Sheffield United will not give up a lot of chances. Um, and if they do, they'll, they'll likely be pot shots from distance, which is something that we're seeing a lot from Tottenham anyway. Um, and Tottenham are really struggling to create. So I'm, I'm expecting a low scoring game. We're looking at both teams to score now as the, as the best value pick. We've got that around 52%, so odds on. Uh, and it's, it's, it's odds against on the market, around 47%. So both teams to score now is a selection in this one. And uh, in what is, it is a really intriguing game. Right? You'd expect these two teams to be the opposite way around in the table. You know, Sheffield United to be 11th, Tottenham to be 6th. But yeah, it would be really interesting if Sheffield United get, go there and get the win and put even more distance between themselves and Tottenham. Um, and then all of a sudden that top six at birth looks in real danger for Spurs. You mentioned there Harry Kane, and I must admit I haven't seen much on the actual injury news itself, and obviously Son got straight red card, which is a, a three-game ban. I think the Tottenham today have appealed it, so we'll have to see what happens with that. But that's obviously two of their main attacking threats. So how detrimental do you think that's going to be to, to Tottenham moving forward, perhaps beyond this game as well? Oh, it's absolutely huge. I mean, if you think that they're, they're struggling, they're creating just 1.2 expected goals for per game. And that's with Harry Kane and Hyunmin Son, who are their two best attacking players. 
take them out of the equation and that's just going to dip even more. I mean, you took Harry Kane out last week against Everton um, and you know, the, for, for the majority of the game, barring Alex Iwobi gifting the ball to Deli Alley, Tottenham wouldn't have scored in that game. Um, I'm quite confident that if Iwobi had found that Fabian Delph, which it was a simple pass anyway, but if he'd have found him, then we could have still been playing now and Spurs wouldn't have scored. So there are some serious issues. Deli Alley obviously got the goal. He'll get a little bit of confidence from that, but he doesn't look like he's ready to fill that void. Um, yeah, and if if Yumin Son is if the red card isn't overturned, that is it's a huge blow, and that means you're going to end up with um, Lucas Moura, Deli Ali playing as almost a, as, as your main strikers, and they've not even got a backup, have they? Um, I think Lorente's he left in the summer. He went to Napoli, scoring goals for Napoli, which is you know just what you want to see. Um, I think Vincent Janssen he left on loan as well. He should still be there, but. Even so, yeah, I think they've got that. Is it Troy Parrott? Okay, they've got some yeah. young, young guy that's talked up, but yeah, this is a big step I don't up. Think anyone's seen anything? It's a big it. step up, and to be honest, if it's not the sort of game that you want to throw him, throw him in um, against a, a Sheffield United backline that is really rough. Um, you know, they they get after you, don't give you any time and space, like unlikely to give you much chances, and um, you know that that would be a real step up for him. And you know, if he does come in, hope, hopefully it goes well for him. But if you're relying on on a young player to come in and, and save your season, that um, uh, especially well get get the win in this game and, and get goals, then you know you've, you've done something wrong um, with your long term planning. Well, I was just about to say enough North London bashing, but we'll yeah we've got to... we've got another game to uh, to, to fill us <laughs> boots with some of that North London stuff. Yeah, we'll move on to so it's Leicester versus Arsenal and. We talked a little bit about Leicester last week and how potentially they might be getting overhyped. Um, fair play to them. They deserved the win they got against uh, Crystal Palace. It was edging towards two expected goals in the game, but it was actually made up from quite a few low-quality chances. Um, they did obviously manage the game well, though, and if they continue to improve that process and build on the early results that they've already got, um, top four certainly looks like a good shout for them. Also on the other side there, they're probably looking up at Leicester with a little bit of jealousy. I think the gap's six points already. Obviously, if Leicester win this one, it's to nine points. Everything's going right for Brendan Rodgers' side, but for Arsenal, it just seems like they're they're in sixth, but it, it's a strange one because it feels like they're a lot lower in the table already, but they, they could be on the verge of hitting a, a downward spiral. Um, it was yet another fortunate result against Wolves. Bit of a strange game because neither side really looked that great going forward, and... I don't know about you, but it looked to me like Arsenal were almost happy to settle with the draw. So I think, I think betters for this, and they'll, they'll be looking at it. They'll be looking at Leicester and based on their results. But I think what really needs to be considered is just how poor Arsenal have been. Um, I'm, I'm sure Info Goals are going to take everything into account. So I'm, I'm keen to hear what the look, numbers look like on your end. Yeah, quite simply, don't back Arsenal. Um, it. You, you hit the nail on the head there. The, the drawing at home to Wolves, um, and then Unai comes out afterwards and said, "Yeah, you know, we we, we nailed our game plan." And you think we just drew one-one with Wolves at home. Um, it makes you wonder what his mindset is. Does he think that's a good result? I mean, if you're looking at Wolves from last season, they, they, you know they're getting towards that level of process. But last season, Wolves finished fifth in the XG table, and you would argue that a point is a decent decent result because they're a really good side of Wolves, but. You know, when you're trying, when you're aspiring to be a top four team and to challenge for you know, trophies, etc. Yeah, he's, he's baffling, and I think he's probably on his last legs at Arsenal. I really do. I think 
the way that they've been playing, the decline of the process, it's actually staggering to see how bad they've got. Um, even from when Wenger left, they were they were actually playing really well. They, you know, they were deservedly sat as the uh, you know they were top six comfortably. Um, their underlying numbers when Wenger left in seventeen eighteen, it was one point nine two expected goals for, one point three six expected goals against, and and now they come into this game. Um, in this season, after 11 games, their process is 1.52 expected goals for and 1.66 expected goals against. So they're now in negative expected goal difference per game. Um, you're looking at a swing of around uh, minus 0.6 expected goal difference from Wenger to Emery. So he has really taken this team backwards and he arguably has got better players uh, you know, at his disposal than what Wenger did. And they've spent money, brought in people like Louise and Pepe. So he's not exactly um, had his hands tied. And yeah, it's just baffling to see them still fifth in the table, really. And they've scored, they've won one game in the last five, and they still sit fifth in the table. It just shows you how competitive the middle middle of the of the league is. If you take the top four away, um, yeah. As for Leicester, they they looked really good against Crystal Palace. I was really impressed. Um, I expected that to be a, a much tougher game um, than what they made it look, um, and they made it look really easy. Um, that was the same Crystal Palace team that went to Arsenal and um, and got a, a comfortable draw. Um, just just two weeks ago, um, Palace actually won the XG battle in that game as well, and, and Leicester just went there and absolutely just destroyed them. They didn't let them counter attack. They dominated the football. They scored a lovely team goal for the second goal. Um, and like you said, everything's looking really, really good for Leicester. Win here, and they go nine points clear of Arsenal, which is a huge marker, even uh, even this earlier in the season. Um, yeah, their, their underlying process has been really good. Obviously. Mainly the defence has been impressive. They're allowing just 1.09 expected goals against per game. So it's the second best defensive process in the league. They're, you know that, that's, that's been their main strength this season has been defensively. Um, they've been defensively sound. And going forward, you just can't stop Jamie Vardy right now. He, he's, yeah, he's, he's overperforming his expected goals. But at the same time, he's, he's, he's extremely clinical with his chances. And whether that is sustainable or not over the course of the season is, uh, you know, remains to be seen. He scored 10 goals from um, chances equating to four expected goals. So, yeah, the bloke's running extremely hot. Um, and whether, whether, Like I said, I, I wouldn't expect him to continue scoring at that rate. But, you know, if Leicester create better, bigger and better chances on a more regular basis, there's no reason why he wouldn't be a good bet for a top scorer, um, you know, the golden boot winner. But for the time being, yeah, we're, we're, he's, he's currently on a really, really hot patch um, where if he gets a sniff, he's scoring a goal and, be surprised if that continued in this game, really. Um, yeah, there's not much else to say, really. Arsenal are really bad defensively. Leicester, have, you know, they're likely to go there, dominate the football. That could play into Leicester, into Arsenal's hands. Whether Unai, you know, the, the identity of Unai Emery's team is, you know, we're uncertain as to what it is. Is it a counter-attacking team? Is it a possession-based team? Uh, is it a pressing team? You know, this is a good opportunity for him to try one of those. Uh, I think Leicester are going to dominate the football. They're going to be the aggressors in the game, and it's just up to our, whether Arsenal have got the, the capabilities to counter-attack. Does he play Mesut Ozil again from the start and, and risk um, having a soft underbelly in midfield with only two holding midfielders? So he's got a lot to think about Unai Emery coming into this game, and if there's one team you don't want to play right now, it's arguably Leicester. Um, no surprise that Infocol's got Leicester as favourites to win the game, 49%, and you know, I looked at this game yesterday and the market was around 45% and it's drifted in now to about 47%. So the price is shortening all the time on Leicester. 
Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them go off as, uh, as odds-on favourites to win this game, such as the gulf between the two teams. Yeah, I must admit, I looked at this one and thought it's going to be a low-scoring game. Obviously, Arsenal not looking great in attack, Leicester looking solid at the back, but the market must be buying into the, the defensive frailties of Arsenal because it's a, an over-under-goals mark of three goals and it's literally a 50-50 split on the market. So, I'll have to see what happens. Yeah, if there are to be goals in this one, I'd be very surprised if most of them come from Arsenal, put it that way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Leicester get like a 3-1 win or something like that in front of their own fans, 2-1, 3-1, 3-0. It could be anything. I, I just I worry for Arsenal. I, do, I really do in this game because Leicester have got all the capabilities to just pick them apart and expose all the, the many weaknesses. Yeah, and it's that that element of being, I kind of said it with the Palace one, that that managing the game, not just dominating it by going forward, but just tactically kind of completely nullifying their the opposition's kind of strengths was was what really stood out from that Leicester performance for me. Yeah, and I think if you look at the two managers head to head, I think the you know the, the really impressive thing about Brendan Rodgers compared to Unai Emery is that he's proactive rather than reactive and and if it does come to a situation on Saturday afternoon uh, sorry Saturday evening where you know Unai Emery has he's got his game plan right and he's he's stopping Madison from creating. Rodgers is quick on his feet, he'll make a tactical change. Um, and you know, try and get the best out of his team in that way. Whereas I don't see that with Arsenal. I don't see that with Emery. He doesn't look at the game and and think, oh, you know, if I move him there or change this around um, or bring this player on, it'll make things better. I, I've not seen that from him, which is a bit of a um, a bit of a worry, really, because that is one of the main important things of, of being a you know first team coach and a manager of a, of a big football club is to be able to spot weaknesses um, and be proactive about it rather than being reactive. You know. Instead of going one, you know, when you're one nil up and you, you you feel like you're on the front foot and you're creating good chances, try and tweak something in an attacking sense rather than going, you know, we'll stick with the one nil, we'll switch things around and we'll we'll bring on. I mean, he did the opposite way around, didn't he, last week against Wolves? He took off Torreira and brought on um, was it Saka, and you just think, why have you done that? You're taking off your your, your best defensive midfielder um, who breaks up all the play, and you brought on a young, inexperienced attacking winger. And you want to look against Wolves, who just you know, and you're getting steamrolled anyway in possession. Um, so yeah, he's. I think this game, obviously, you've got the two teams. Leicester are the better of the two teams in terms of starting eleven. I think Brendan Rodgers is the better manager, um, which is why I, I do think that they'll end up going on uh, going off at short price favourites, Leicester. Right. So next up, we've got Manchester United versus Brighton. I feel like we've kind of been fighting United's corner a bit and defending them, or, or at least highlighting, I guess, the positives from their their underlying process when the results didn't look that great. But there isn't really anything to be positive about on for for Saturday's result against Bournemouth. The defence, which has normally looked solid, it it really struggled. They've been let down in attack before, and again, both of those were pretty poor at the weekend. As for Brighton, it it took them a while to get that goal against Norwich for the, but they were all over them for the majority of the game. They ended up winning 2-0. Could have been and probably should have been more. Um, another good performance and they they probably deserve to be a little bit higher than the, the eighth place they currently sit in in the table. So we've got Manchester United who have really disappointed so far. Brighton who have been one of the surprise packages this season. Still no shocks that the market is big on Manchester United at just over 60% chance of winning. But does InfoGold agree with the odds for this? Yeah, we've we've got them pretty much in line with what's available on the market. Um, yeah, you say we're fighting Man United's corner um, on a regular basis, and we'll do so again here. Um, while they deserved to lose against Bournemouth, I thought they were absolutely done by the schedule last week. 
you know, they played Chelsea on the Wednesday night in the Carabao Cup game. They had a Saturday morning game or a 12 o'clock kickoff Saturday um, against Bournemouth. That is a tight turnaround. And obviously, build up of the game was the question marks over Maguire, Lindelof, Rashford, Martial, whether they were actually going to play. They did end up playing, but they didn't look um, at 100%. They didn't look like they'd recovered, uh, had enough recovery time. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise to see that game at the 12.30 game. Um, and, you know, it's the same again this week, really. They play Thursday night and then they play on Sunday. So they, they've had a really tough schedule in terms of uh, rest, rest days in between matches. And they've already got a thin squad as it is. So the last thing that they need is a pile up of fixtures. And that's exactly what they've got. And I think a lot of that can be, um, can be put, a lot of the game, the results, sorry, against Bournemouth can be put down to that and, and, and tiredness. So I'm willing to give them a little bit of a pass for that game. Um, but yeah, coming to this game, this is arguably a tougher game than the Bournemouth one. I mean, Brighton are absolutely flying at the minute. Um, Defensively, United are still pretty strong, but from what we've seen against Bournemouth, uh, with a limited rest time and what I'm expecting, obviously, like I said, they play again on Thursday in the Europa League. He hasn't got much choice to, you know, other than to play his pretty much first team eleven. The squad isn't deep enough, so it could be a case again where they come into this game a little bit lethargic, um, and Brighton could take advantage. I won't be surprised to see them go there and get something. They've, they've been really impressive. Graham Potter's working his magic. Um, they're seventh in our XG table after 11 games. You mentioned that the, the game against Norwich, they were absolutely exceptional again. Three home games in a row where they've won and they, you know, they've, they've won comfortably and deservedly so on XG. Um, now they just need to find that, um, that away win. Their process has been really, really impressive. 1.6 expected goals for. They're creating plenty of good chances on a regular basis. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fully expecting them to go there to Old Trafford and try and dominate the football. Try and move Manchester United around a little bit. Um, they've got some seriously good players on their hands. Um, and the way that Potter's got them playing is, um, you know, they're really good to watch as well. And it's just a bit of a shame that this game isn't on TV. Uh, I would have really enjoyed to watch this, um, the full 90 minutes of this one. I think it's going to be a really entertaining game. I'm expecting goals. The Infocom model's around 58% chance of over two and a half goals. Um, you know, and the market's around 51%. So you've got a decent amount of value there in terms of the goals market. Uh, yeah, I'm expecting fireworks at Old Trafford, I really am. Yeah, and I, I know, I mean, Paul Pogba kind of divides opinion. I was just looking there at his injury timeline. It's still looking at December until he's back. He obviously does contribute something going forward for United. So how much how much of a missing piece do you think he is at the moment and how long can United kind of keep plodding along without him? Oh, he's like, he's the key, um, I think, for Manchester United. I think when he's back and he's fit, I think their fortunes will, will turn. I think, he, I think he's that good. Personally, I'm a huge fan of Paul Pogba. Um, and I, like I say, he divides opinion. But, you know, what he brings to the team, not only is he the most creative player when he's on the pitch, but he's also the calmest um, on the football. He, dom- he dictates the game. Uh, when, he's, when he's playing his, his best football, um, that's what they're missing, really, because at the minute, they've basically got two breakup players in midfield. Um, in, you know, obviously, McTominay's getting rave reviews, whether he's playing with Matic or Fred. Um, they're not, they're not providing too much creativity going forward. So while they're, they're getting one job done and they're looking pretty solid defensively because of that, they are missing him on the attacking end, Paul Pogba. And, you know, thought, fortunately for United, Martial's back to fitness so that he provides them with another threat. But um, yeah, they haven't got a player to replace Pogba. So he's a massive miss for them. Um, like you say, we don't know when he's going to be back. It was, it was an injury before the last international break. So 
Um, it's going to be after the next international break, I would imagine, or maybe just before Christmas, depending on how bad it is. Um, you know, until until he does return, United are going to have to fi- find out a way um, or f- find a way to to create good chances and you know fill fill the big shoes that he's left. Right. So the next game is Wolves versus Aston Villa. It it looks like what could be another really good game. Uh, Wolves have been a bit unfortunate so far. They're they're slightly slowly climbing the table, and I think it. It won't be long before they, they work their way back to where they ended up last season. Um, Villa, bit of a weird one for me. They seem to be a bit up and down. They had a couple of good wins against Norwich and Brighton. They then obviously ran into to Manchester City and Liverpool. I do feel a little bit bad for them where they kind of hung on for so long against Liverpool, but Klopp's side definitely deserved the win if you look at the the numbers from that one. So they're, they're two teams that are obviously close together based on location. They're not too far apart in the table, but... In terms of actual performances, Wolves have definitely got the edge here. Um, we've we've got the benefit of a, a recent League Cup fixture. Don't know how much you want to read into that, but absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, what what does the info goal model suggest here? Yeah, we we think that Wolves should be a lot shorter in this game. Um, obviously, it's a little bit of a derby, not too far away from each other. Wolves and Aston Villa, um, but yeah, with the market's around fifty two percent chance of a Wolves win, and we're at sixty percent. So, we think there's a huge amount of value in backing a home win in this one. Um, they were really impressive last week, Wolves against Arsenal. They dominated the football game. Um, it was only until it was only later on where they started creating better chances. But up until you know, up until that, they just dominated. They had the football. They created plenty. Uh, sorry, they, they moved the ball around nicely. They moved Arsenal around really well. Um, you know that that built on what was another good away performance against Newcastle the week before, in which they were unfortunate not to get the the three points. So, like you said, we're seeing signs that they're slowly getting back to what we saw last season. Their their process is now um, positive. So, they're 1.5 expected goals for, 1.44 expected goals against. So, they're now kicking on, if you like. They're, they're improving. Uh, they were another team that had a really tough schedule at the start of the season. They've already played Chelsea, City, Wolves, now Arsenal. Uh, sorry, not Wolves. <laughs> Manchester United, now Arsenal. Um, so, they've, they've got some big games out. They, you know, they played Leicester as well. So, they've got pretty much... Um, you know the big teams out of the way; they're starting to um, to be upwardly mobile in the table. Um, and Aston Villa, like you mentioned, that you know it was a similar story to the Southampton game, really. Southampton Manchester City game, where one team was winning through uh, one big chance, and then for the rest of the game, that team that was winning, so Southampton Villa in this case, they didn't create much, and it was just a it was a when rather than if the um, you know Liverpool or City were going to get a goal, and Liverpool fully deserved that victory. The, Know, generated nearly three expected goals, and you know it's another poor defensive display from Aston Villa, and it's something that we've seen on a regular basis this season. They're averaging around two point one four expected goals against per game. They sit eighteenth in our expected goals table. So while there have been positives and there've been signs of life with obviously back to back wins against Norwich and Brighton, where we're still very wary of them. Um, in terms of they're still very much in a relegation battle and. You know, the, the only positive they've got going for them in, in comparison to other teams that are struggling, like a Norwich or a, uh, even a Newcastle, is that they're creating good chances. They, they have shown they've got an attacking um, an attacking threat. 1.58 expected goals for is what they're creating. So, they, you know, they can pose a serious threat in attack, but um, defensively they look vulnerable. And I fully think that Wolves will take advantage in this game. You mentioned that League Cup, um, that League Cup outing that they had, was it last, last midweek? Not reading too much into that. Um, Wolves rested quite a few players. They had um, the weekend game, obviously, at the Emirates. 
think he made about seven, eight changes maybe. So, uh, well, Villa made a couple as well, but still, you can't read too much into that. I think Wolves are much better, much better than two teams and especially at home, I think they'll have too much for, for Villa. And like I said, there's a plenty of amount, there's a decent amount of value in backing Wolves. Um, according to the Infocom model, about 8% margin. Right, I think that's pretty much it. We don't really have any other important games to cover, do no, we? No, no, that's it. We're, yeah, we're all done now. <laughs> Ready for the international break. There you go. Right, Liverpool versus Man City. Clearly the, the game of the week, one of the games of the season. Not quite a title decider yet, but I think obviously if Liverpool get the win, it's going to become very difficult to, to catch them, even for a team like Manchester City. Despite what the table actually says, Man City have, have probably been the better team this season. I don't know how much is down to the the sheer dominance in attack, um, but it's certainly a game like this where those, we've talked a little bit about their defensive frailties, but if they play a team like Liverpool, they're certainly going to get exposed there. Um, Liverpool, they're the comeback kings this season already. I think it's 10 points from losing positions, six of which have come in the last two games. They had a late equaliser against Manchester United, the late winner against Leicester. Um, they're just two very elite teams and there isn't really much to separate them. Liverpool playing at home obviously help. The market is still actually leaning towards Manchester City though. So is Infogol thinking along the same lines here or is there any value on offer? Well... I don't, one, I don't know why this game's on TV. I don't know who's going to watch this one. Um, but yeah, like the, Man City are favourites. We've got Man City's slight favourites as well. We're 39% Man City win, 36% Liverpool win, um, which suggests that obviously both Infocol and, and the market thinks that Man City are the better of the two teams here uh, by quite a way because obviously home advantage is factored in there. Um, that's the case when you look at the XG numbers as well. You know, you mentioned it there that. Man City have actually been the better of the two teams across the the, the season so far. Um, their attacking numbers are staggering. They're averaging three point three expected goals four per game um, on Manchester City, and defensively they've not been as bad as what um, you know as what results and score lines would suggest. They're allowing just one point two expected goals against per game. So if you do the maths, there it's you know their expected goal difference um, per game is two point one expected goals. So. They are comfortably better than every opponent that they play um, by two expected goals. On average, obviously, it'll be different with this game because you're talking about a, a much higher level opponent. Liverpool themselves have been absolutely flying. The process is, is really impressive. It's actually improved on last year as well, which is um, <clears throat> pretty impressive for Jurgen Klopp's team to kick on from that 97-point season and, and look better. They themselves are, are 2.1 expected goals for 1.06 against, so... They're they're over one one xG better than their opponent on a regular basis. So this is a really it is a clash of the titans. It is the two best teams in 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 England by a long way uh, battling it out for the Premier League title. And obviously Liverpool hold a um, you know a, a pretty hefty point advantage right now, six points going into this game. Infocol calculates that the 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 title the chance of winning the title is fifty fifty. Um, uh, a Liverpool win. Would make it sixty-seven percent Liverpool, thirty-two percent Man City, and then one percent scattered for everyone else. Um, so you know, a Liverpool win would drastically increase their chances of winning the Premier League title. A Man City win would obviously would make it sixty percent of six uh, percent chance of Man City getting the win uh, and win and retaining the title uh, compared to thirty-nine percent of Liverpool. So it is literally this is a huge game in terms of who's going to win the Premier League title. 
whoever wins it goes above 60% chance on Infogol's model. Um, the draw would actually favour Liverpool as well. So a draw obviously keeps a six-point advantage. It takes one of the head-to-head games out of the equation. Um, and Liverpool would have a 53% chance of, of winning the Premier League title with a draw. So a draw is a good result for Liverpool um, in this one. Unsurprisingly, the market is expecting goals. Um, as I mentioned, the two teams are frightening going forward, the pair of them. Um, 3.3 Man City, 2.16 Liverpool. They are the two best attacking teams in the league. Defensively, obviously, I think Liverpool have got the better defence. Man City are missing some key players. Um, is Fernandinho back fit? He could be crucial if if he is. Um, obviously, if not, it's going to be an Otamendi, John Stone's partnership, which I think they were the same two that started in the game two years ago when Liverpool won 4-3. And what was that? Absolute thriller. Um, so that that could be a negative, but I think Fernandinho is going to be back. In which case, Fernandinho and Stones will, um, you know, that that's much, much more solid. I know it doesn't look like it or sound like it with a holding midfielder playing instead of a centre back, but um, I personally feel that that is a much more solid defensive line. And you know, we're, we've got a thirty-nine percent chance of City win. Both teams scores at sixty-one percent, over two and a half at fifty-eight percent. So you know, we're expecting goals. We're expecting a high-scoring, entertaining game. And um, yeah, I, it's a really tough one to call. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if it was like 3-3 or 0-0 like last season. Um, like I mentioned, the draw is a good result for Liverpool. They, I don't know if they played for the draw last season, but it was a 0-0 game in which Rio Mahrez missed a penalty. Something similar here I, I, could, I could see. Um, you know, in terms of value, there's, there isn't much available. Um, the only thing I would say is that perhaps with how short the, the prices are for both teams scoring over two and a half is opposing goals in this one. Um, I'm chancing it to be a tight game between two really good teams. Obviously, that's not what everyone or the neutrals want to see. They want to see a 5-4 thriller. They want to see goals. But in terms of value, opposing goals is probably the way to go in this one. Um, but to be honest, I'd swerve it. Don't have a bet on this one and just enjoy the match. This is going to be a cracker. Yeah, the really intriguing match. And as you said, so much in the context of kind of chances of winning the title that feed into it as well. I'm just wondering, we kind of said before about the, the Norwich and Watford game and almost a, a game that neither team can afford to lose. And perhaps they might might play a little bit safer in that relegation side of things. Do you think we might see something similar here? I mean, obviously you said draw is slightly better from Liverpool is that does that make the onus on Manchester City to try and go out and win the game or or are they going to play safe do you think uh, it's really interesting because obviously the way things stands now in the Premier League is Man City need the win on paper but Pep Guardiola will probably look at it and think if we get a point we're still only six points behind we've still got to play them at the Etihad um, you know if they win that game it's down to three points um, and Liverpool have got such a hectic schedule coming up over Christmas and you know, they go to the Club World Cup. They've still got a Carabao Cup game to fit in somewhere. Obviously, the FA Cup comes in. Um, you know, the, it wouldn't be a surprise if their squad is already pretty thin in terms of quality. Obviously, you've got quite a few decent players there. But in terms of like the attacking three, if one of those gets injured over Christmas with the, with the workload that they've got, it wouldn't be a surprise to see them drop points. So, personally, I wouldn't be a surprise if Pep Guardiola was happy with a point in this one. Keep it at six points. And just see if Liverpool stutter, because I think they will. They're, they're definitely not going to go for the rest of the season unbeaten, that is for sure. I, I mean, you're probably looking at long odds, but 
personally, I can't see it happening. I think they will lose at some point just purely with the fixture build-up. Obviously, they've still got Champions League games as well. You've got Champions League, you've got, like I said, Carabao Cup, FA Cup's coming in. You've got the Club World Cup, Premier League. They're balancing. They've got loads of spinning plates and sooner or later, one of those plates is going to fall and smash. Um, and I think if I think if it does finish in a draw, I think Guardiola will come afterwards and say, I'm happy with that point because it does keep them in it. Whereas if they lose, obviously, it's pretty much, you'd imagine, game over with a nine-point gap and the head-to-head game out of it. So it is just fascinating. And I, I, I'm not, I'm personally not sure what to expect because everything points to goals. You've got two, the two best attacking teams in the league, um, but you've also got two of the best defensive teams in the league. And we saw what happened last season. Liverpool just went set up to stifle Man City and, and, and slow them down, and that seemed to work. And I won't be surprised if something happened. Here, the same happened in this game. It is, it's, just, it's just one that you just want to watch and... and yeah, it's going to be a really tactically interesting game as well because um, Jurgen Klopp's got a really good record against Pep Guardiola and Guardiola really struggles to deal with uh, what Klopp brings to the table. So from a tactical point of view, it's going to be really intriguing as, uh, as well. Um, yeah, can't wait for it, really. I, I think we could talk about this one all day. I th- unfortunately, yeah, if you want to yeah. carry on. Or... I mean, we, nah. we're running out of time, so we've got to call it a day. There's, there's so many get good games to look at, but... Well, obviously, we're stretched for time here. I mean, we, we can always rely on you to deliver the goods, Jake. So, from me and the listeners, thanks again for taking the time out and providing some insight into the weekend's fixtures. No, you're very welcome. And if anyone wants more information on InfoGold, then visit infogold.net, follow at InfoGoldApp on Twitter, and download the app on iTunes and Android. You'll find all the latest odds for Game Week 12 of the Premier League on pinnacle.com. Best of luck with any bets, and remember to please gamble responsibly. 